For RCRTV, I'm Sean Kinney, and welcome to HetNet Happenings, where we take a look at all things DAS, Wi-Fi, small cell, and much, much more. Comscope. Thinking beyond today's technology to help you make the best decision for your network and your business. Register today for the Wireless Infrastructure Show, the premier national event for mobile network solutions, produced for the industry, by the industry. Telecom Careers, the number one global telecom and wireless job board. Telecomcareers.com. Welcome back to HetNet Happenings. Uh, this week, I've got our editor, Joey Jackson, on the show with me. Joey, thank you for coming back. Uh, our last episode that you joined us for was all about cell tower news, very well received. So thank you for joining me again. Yeah, thanks for having me again. And uh, I feel like you only invite me on when uh, you get a little lonely up here. Well, you know, it's it's tough in the spotlight. It really is to be up here all by yourself. These lights are bright. That's right. And I... Uh, <laughs> I usually like to bring you in when you have a, a whole slate of new video content for us to take a look at. And I know you just got back to the office from a trip up to Dallas, which for whatever reason seems to be the telecom hub of North America. So uh, how was your trip? It was good. I got to visit with Comscope and Huawei. Uh, Comscope, I did a digs and gigs and uh, how it works up there. And it, at Huawei, I got to check out some new technology that they're working on. Very good. Yeah, Joey, you mentioned uh, gigs and digs. Uh, gigs is like a, uh, a look inside the day-to-day -day of a telecom ICT software professional. And then digs is, uh, I don't know, would it be appropriately described as sort of our answer to MTV Cribs, like yeah. a you know, tour of telecom and tech facilities? Mm -hmm. We've got uh, those shows archived on the RCR TV webpage as well as the RCR Wireless News YouTube channel if you want to take a look at some of that work. But uh, what we're here today to talk about is another series that you produce for us called How It Works, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, you guys talk a lot about DAS on this show, distributed antenna systems, mm -hmm. and but I don't feel like you've got a real chance to, to drill down. And so I got to talk to, at Comscope, I got to talk to a guy named Morgan Crook, and uh, he gave me kind of a fundamental overview of how DAS works. Let's take a look at that. Hi, Morgan Kirk here again, Comscope SVP in charge of wireless. I'm going to speak to you today about how DAS works. For those of you that are familiar with the wireless industry, uh, there are a variety of ways of moving signals or providing signals in buildings. The most popular of which is what's called DAS, or Distributed Antenna Systems. Now, a distributed antenna system can be, made, can be comprised of both active and passive components, and I'm going to take you through how these components work and what comprises an entire system. So imagine we have an infrastructure, a stadium or a building of some sort. I'll use a building as an example. That building needs some sort of, sig some sort of way of, of getting signals in and out of the building because whether it's metalized glass or just the concrete, these attenuate the signals from the outside and so cellular signals that might come from some tower on the outside reach the building and then they become much, much smaller as they go into the building. So some sort of dedicated system is needed inside the building. To cover a building with a DAS, you have a couple of ingredients. The first thing that you need is a base station or a repeater or some form of a signal source. So this is where you would have a base station. This base station, of course, is connected back 
to the core in some fashion. Now from this base station, typically you would have a piece of equipment that would be called a head-end piece of equipment in the form of a DAS. Head-end equipment is typically located with the uh, base station equipment. And then throughout the building, on various floors, you will have remote pieces of equipment. So this is a master unit, and this is a remote unit. These are generic terms. We ourselves call these different things, but generically, remote units and master units. Remote units are far in the field, master units are local. From the master unit to the remote unit, this is typically connected with fiber optic cable. And these fiber optic cables take the RF signals and move them out to the remotes. Now the master unit is connected to the base station by a coaxial piece of cable and there are RF signals that get put in to the master unit. Now at the master unit those signals are converted in whole into fiber, into light, and transported to the remote units. At the remote units the reverse process takes place and additional pieces of coaxial cable are taken with splitters and other devices out to a variety of antennas. The reason that it's called a distributed antenna system is you have a bunch of antennas that are all distributed. No surprise there. Okay, so the advantage of this type of system is you're able to take a very simple base station, which would be on a single location, and you're able to move it throughout the building so that each one of the users that are here, their cell phone, is very close to where the signals are coming. So instead of having a lot of signal loss from a single location, you have much lower power but much less signal loss. What that enables is a much better user experience. So the user is able to do higher speed, datas, uh, higher speed data and you're able to support a lot more users by doing this. And that's one basic uh, DAS architecture. There, there are other DAS architectures which use uh, different types of fiber and other DAS architectures that use different types of media like 75 ohm cable or like uh, twisted pair cabling to move these things around, but in general, that's how a DAS works. I'm Morgan Kirk, Comscope. That was Morgan Kirk from Comscope giving us a look at how a distributed antenna system works. Uh, Morgan's a, a very knowledgeable guy. I had the opportunity to spend some time with him over in Barcelona when we were there for Mobile World Congress. Mm -hmm. We produced a few videos with him that are up on the RCR Wireless News YouTube channel. But I got to ask, do my eyes deceive me or was that a three camera shoot? Oh, it was. I got to use a little GoPro action in that one. I don't even understand how you do a, a solo three camera shoot, but kudos to you. Looked great. Yeah, thank you. All right. And just to give you sort of a topical example of a distributed antenna system, we've got the Kentucky Derby coming up May 2nd there at Churchill Downs outside of Louisville. And, uh, just one part of the HetNet upgrades that Verizon made to support all the crowds that would be there was the uh, addition of antennas to their distributed antenna system, but they also brought out the uh, the cow, which mm. is a cell on wheels, and then the uh, the very aptly titled Colt, which is a cell on a light truck. We were, we were talking over the break there uh, about whether they came up with the name first or the actual device first. Uh, what do you think? I, I mean, this industry loves acronyms, so probably the, the acronym first. 
All right, and and you get the joke, right? A colt at the uh, Kentucky Derby, right? Yes. Folks at home, got it? <laughs> it's a little on the nose. Yeah, yeah. So they'll probably need all those antennas because last year they used a terabyte of data, just Verizon customers alone, and that's a 200% increase from 2013. Okay, so between the Derby in 2013 and 2014, the data use increased by 200%. So, yeah. I mean, I don't... I don't know what it'll be this year, but exactly. I imagine it'll be more than 200%, right? Mm -hmm. We kind of watch the trends of these big events like mm -hmm. the Final Four and World yeah, Series. Yeah, and every and year like they that. set a new record. Oh, it's amazing. Uh, one terabyte, that's a, that's a lot of Facebook posts. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, you know, and that's uh, that's just one example of, of DAS, which is a hot topic on the show. We also talk a lot about Wi-Fi here. Uh, right now, going on out in San Francisco, today is the Wi-Fi Innovation Summit. This is a uh, sort of worldwide gathering of Wi-Fi uh, technology leaders. They do a couple things. They sort of dissect the state of the union of Wi-Fi right now, and then they do a lot of uh, forward-leaning discussion, sort of how Wi-Fi will evolve over the next few years in terms of uh, technology and practical application. Had the opportunity to talk to the uh, Wi-Fi Innovation Summit Chairman Klaus Heading about some of the trends. Klaus, you can keep up with his work at uh, wifiinsights.com, but he's a you know, really informative uh, interview that we got to do. If we could uh, please take a look at that clip with Klaus. But, um, we've got a program where on our first day, we're looking at all the innovative aspects of Wi-Fi. We've got a whole bunch of startups, a lot of them uh, Silicon Valley based, but also some foreign ones. And they, a lot of them are working on solutions to monetize Wi-Fi, right? So the big challenge right now is there's a tremendous amount of traffic on Wi-Fi networks, but a lot of it is basically free services and so forth. So what we're looking at are, are solutions for uh, how to monetize it, and there's a, there's a lot of options. And I have to say, the jury's still out in what the silver bullet is, right? But there's a lot of companies looking at ad-based models, location-based models, looking at uh, various ways of managing very large Wi-Fi networks, also with you know, effective portals and so on where you can deliver these, this value add to consumers, for example, in, in retail hospitality, and of course also in stadiums and things like that, consumer engagement. These, these are a lot of the things that we're looking at uh, on the first day. And we've also got some fantastic companies uh, working on just basically improving the performance with new technologies like uh, uh, high order MIMO and things like that, that you know, just really improves the price performance of Wi-Fi. And that's where Wi-Fi is really, really strong, right? We can get a tremendous amount of uh, capacity for very few dollars, right? And that's why I think it's such a strong technology and such a strong space to be in right now. Yeah, you mentioned the, the monetization of Wi-Fi. I think that's a really important topic because from my perspective, from a consumer perspective, I, I expect free, robust Wi-Fi coverage in public spaces, in retail outlets, that sort of thing. But beyond sort of targeted marketing, how does an enterprise, how does a small business turn that into revenue generation? Well, if you look at it, well, you can look at it from many different angles. There's many different examples. As I said, there's no silver bullet yet, right? So we're still looking at a situation where these things are nascent. They're emerging. But there's some companies that are doing extremely well and some startups. So there's a startup I'd like to mention called Euclid Analytics, which is San Francisco-based. And they have a, a very... Um, they have a very strong value proposition. They basically use location information, anonymize it, 
And that information is of great value to carriers. Now, it's completely anonymous. So you don't know which person would be standing in front of a particular location, but you can see how many of them there are, right? And that, that kind of information can be used effectively to, you know, for, um, for, for example, uh, assessing what is the value of an ad space, what, where in a mall or where in a, uh, in a particular arena is especially valuable uh, to set up a shop, things like that. And I think there's a lot more use cases than that. So this is one way to do it. And it's completely unobtrusive, right? On the other hand, you've got, at the end of the spectrum, you've got uh, solutions out there that really want to identify who you are, but, and, and, and you know, uh, treat you as an intelligent person, right? But also want to market to you, but in an intelligent way with an opt-in and opt-out clause. And that's where we are right now. We want, we want, you know, you don't want to be harassing consumers with these things. We want them to, you know, um, hopefully opt-in to see that there's a value in receiving ads or receiving information, uh, you know, wayfinding and all these things, right? So um, there's many, many options. And one of the beautiful things about being the Wi-Fi industry is there's so much innovation happening in precisely that area, right? So, um, and I'm sure, you know, there, there's, there's billions of dollars at stake here. I'm sure, you know, with all the Wi-Fi happening, especially in America, but also elsewhere, you know, there's billions of dollars at stake, and I'm sure uh, somebody, right, or a bunch of companies are gonna find out, you know, how to, how to really work that. I mean, if you look at, for example, what um, the big carriers are doing in terms of monetizing their, uh, their Wi-Fi, it's generally speaking a retention play, right? With some exceptions, but it's about keeping consumers happy by giving the consumers something that they value highly and largely for free. Uh, but that doesn't mean that you can't, on top of that, uh, you know, have some benefit from example in um, things like uh, consumer engagement through in-browser uh, message injection and things like that, right? So, <clears throat> So that's where we are. And I, I want to say also that it's not totally true that it's it, Wi-Fi is always free and so forth. There are, um, there are indications that the offload story, so to speak, that I've been trying to promote for years now, uh, where carriers will actually go and pay a third party to, for you know, Wi-Fi capacity in the network. That's starting to move and I know that a company like Boingo Wireless, we were also we're also coming and speaking at a summit uh, on Wednesday. Boingo is uh, very active in that space. I know they've uh, struck a deal uh, for offload, and I think we'll see a lot more of that. I think it's becoming more acceptable for big carriers, mobile carriers, to use Wi-Fi as a means of delivering capacity to consumers. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I did notice that you have uh, a gentleman from Boingo that's going to present. They are doing some really interesting stuff, uh, not only in the carrier Wi-Fi offload, but also in the uh, the tiered Wi-Fi, where if you just need to check your email, you just pay for a slower connection. But if you need to download a bunch of movies before you hop on a plane, you can pay for the really high-speed Wi-Fi. So it, it really is an interesting company to watch. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's a super good company. And, and I think we'll see, it's a typical example of the freemium model, right? Which works extremely well on the internet. I think we're going to see a lot more in the Wi-Fi space, that basic connectivity. I'm at this hotel in Sunnyvale and, you know, the basic connectivity uh, at the hotel is free. If I want a bit more and I want to stream movies and stuff, it costs money. So that freemium model is there and I think it makes a lot of sense. And I think it keeps consumers happy uh, as it does on the internet. And I think we're going to see that a lot in the Wi-Fi space. 
Klaus, uh, I obviously keep up with your analysis at wifiinsights.com, but uh, just kind of recap for us some of the, uh, the big trends in the Wi-Fi space that you're watching in 2015. Right, okay. So I think uh, two of the hottest things, well, let me just start maybe by mentioning uh, Wi-Fi calling, right? Because I think uh, the, somebody said somewhere in the media, I forget, it might have actually been RCR, I'm not sure. And somebody said the stampede is on, right? So oh, the stampede to, uh, to voiceover Wi-Fi is definitely on. And that was all sparked by uh, Wi-Fi calling being native to iOS 8. And I think, what is it, 8.1, 8.3, I forget. But it's native on the Apple iOS. And what that means is it's that, that it's a real carrier Wi-Fi calling service, right? So the carrier's been all over that, and I completely understand that. Wi-Fi calling is a beautiful uh, and simple and elegant and cheap way of providing mobile indoor coverage. That's basically what it is. And mobile indoor coverage can be extremely difficult to achieve because you basic, I mean, the only other option pretty much is you need to, you know, move cell towers closer to each other to get more signal indoors. And obviously that's an answer that can never happen or, or small cells or something like that. And that's really difficult and expensive. So Wi-Fi calling I think is a given. I think, you know, the reason why there's so much interest on it because any carrier in the world that basically deals with Apple products and pretty much everybody does that, will want to offer that at some point. I have no doubt about that because it's, you know, it's simple. It works extremely well. It's uh, relatively inexpensive and it's a carrier service, right? You get your phone number on there. You can just use it like you would any, any telephone service on, on your mobile network. So that's one thing. Uh, there's a bit of controversy as well, of course, because I don't know if you've been following this, but <clears throat> there's some controversy regarding LTEU which is 4G, uh, essentially for, well, I probably shouldn't say the Wi-Fi bands, but I should say the unlicensed bands, right? Because the unlicensed bands are such that anybody can use them in principle, right? So the, the mobile community uh, headed up by, you know, the big mobile vendors like Qualcomm, Ericsson, and so forth, uh, they, you know, have their eyes on this big chunk of spectrum in the 5 gigahertz band, and they'd like to do something there. And it's understandable from their point of view that this is very attractive to them, right? So, and they've designed the LTEU, but the big question is whether can LTEU and this version of it called LAA or License Assist, uh, can that in Wi-Fi peacefully coexist, right? That's really the big question. We're going to be tackling that at the summit on Wednesday. We're going to have a debate uh, with uh, the leaders of the industry, basically. So we're going to try to get to the bottom of that. It's a complicated issue because it has to do with, uh, you know, to what degree the algorithms that control access and so forth are fair on both sides, right? So Wi-Fi has been exceptionally good at coexisting with itself, right? Uh, so if LTE, as a Wi-Fi evangelist, the Wi-Fi proponent, I have to say, if LTE comes in and wants to do that, it would, you know, in my opinion, have to be as, uh, play as nicely as, as a Wi-Fi network next to another network Wi-Fi network would do, right? And, you know, we're not totally sure that it's going to do that. Of course, we hope that it is. And, you know, personally, I have to say, I don't know whether LTEU, when I look at it as a business case, and it's basically a small sales business case, whether I think even if all that falls into place, whether that's really going to be a smash hit, I, I honestly doubt it. I think we've got the solution ready. We've got the, the great small cell solution. It's called Wi-Fi access points. They deliver a, a ton of capacity for very little money, right? So 
So even if all this does come together, you know, and everything works together, you know, I still think Wi-Fi is by far the preferred technology. And I think carriers are starting gradually to realize this. All right, and, and Klaus, now I'd like to ask you just one more question. This one, perhaps uh, a little more speculative than what we've covered so far, but uh, you, maybe you'll indulge me and take a shot. Five years from now, how are we going to use Wi-Fi? What is the, the network going to consist of? Wow, goodness me, that's a good question. I think, uh, you know, I, I think my answer to that is I think Wi-Fi is a, you know, it's an unstoppable force right now. Uh, so I think we're going to see, you know, continued growth of both public, uh, public Wi-Fi. There's going to be a lot more public Wi-Fi. I think we're going to see a lot more carriers adopting it. I think we're going to see, you know, uh, you know, one of the more interesting things over the recent months is the Google story with uh, the MVNO story. I mean, it's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out because although I don't think they've said anything official about it, I think Wi-Fi is going to be a big part of that play, some sort of aggregated Wi-Fi network. I think, and I'd like to see Wi-Fi absolutely everywhere for everybody, but also th there's an issue that we have to face. And that's there's such a big spread of quality as far as Wi-Fi networks are concerned, right? So on one side, we've, you know, we've got products that can pump out you know, two gigabits of capacity to, to 500 access points. I mean, these products exist now. And we've got you know, legacy stuff that barely sort of chugs along, right? And, and all of this is already in place, right? So, so I think one of the big challenges for us you know, in the Wi-Fi industry is to you know, find a way to address that so we have some sort of consistent quality across Wi-Fi. That was Klaus Hedding, the uh, chairman of the Wi-Fi Innovation Summit, giving us a, sort of a, an overview of that show, which is going on uh, right now out in San Francisco. So thanks to Klaus for that. And uh, Joey, thank you for coming on to the show. And uh, for more on gigs, digs, how it works, tower stories, am I leaving any out? Uh, I think that's all of them, but if you want to be a part of any of those shows, uh, I'm always looking for people, so, you know, reach out to me. Uh, we give them your home address. Uh, so that <laughs> yeah, they just, can... just come knock on my door. Yeah. No, no, but if you if you want to get a hold of me, you can reach me at jjackson at rcrwireless.com. I'd, I'd love to do a feature on you. Yeah, we're always looking to engage with our with our viewers and our readers to engage with us. You can check out all of our great video content at RCR TV. You can check out all the latest in news and media content at rcrwirelessnews.com. Joey, thanks again for coming in, and to the folks at home, thanks for joining us this week on HetNet Happenings. HetNet Happenings is a production of RCR TV. To reach Sean Kinney or to suggest a show topic for HetNet Happenings, you can reach Sean at skinney at rcrwireless.com. On Twitter at Sean Kinney RCR. To find out more about the latest in HetNet and all things wireless, dig into rcrwireless.com.